All right, you are back with Greg Kimball in the Final Percent Podcast. We're in the middle of a mini-series. This is going to be part three. So if you're just tuning in, please go back at least two episodes so that you can hear this whole story. You can hear it from the start, and you can really dig in with us and find out what in the heck made me me. So without further ado, we've got part three. So as you can imagine in this giant blowout between me and my wife, and it almost costing my young company its life, not to mention with the latest emotional outburst, it could have cost each one of us our lives. And in the snowstorm after kicking my windshield and the car comes to a stop, both of us in complete shock and awe and fear, we look at one another and we break down into tears. We look at each other with disgust and we say hurtful things and scream nonsense at one another. And when the dust settled, we finally came to the conclusion that maybe it's better that we not live together for a while. Maybe we should take a break. So I began sleeping at the studio. She takes the apartment and we start being separated. Albeit not legally, but we were not together. Now, whether either one of us went and saw other people, I honestly don't know. I was too broken to take that path. So I just kept my head down and I kept working. But the problem was, is I was turning to my work and I was not being a very nice person. I was a very scared person. I was a very alone person. I was a very lost person. And unfortunately, I was leading my company in that way. And when you lead a company or someone or a group of people, anything you're trying to do, if you do it out of desperation and fear and being scared and fake confidence, and don't get me wrong, I was that guy who would tell everybody, everything's okay, I'm Superman, I'm invincible, nothing's wrong, nothing's bothering me, and I got pretty good at wearing that mask. But unfortunately, all masks come off at some point. And I created a culture that I am really not proud of. We created a culture at my original company that was akin to a frat house. There was hazing and there were antics that got taken too far. And realistically, I was just a bachelor who did not know what he was doing, who was very scared and was clinging on to imaginary power that was, for all intents and purposes, not even real. I would cling on to things that I thought other people needed to know about me. So I would hang on to accolades and I would talk about my past and I would talk about a car that I had or I would talk about money that I was going to make or had made or maybe unfortunately never made. And one of the angels that came into my life was a guy named John Gillette. One of the original people who were at my company in the inception. And I didn't realize how groundbreaking this person was going to be to me. Now, in some of my other podcasts, I have talked about how you have three kinds of people in your life. You have people who need to get out of your life. You have people who are stepping stones in your life, and you have people who are cornerstones in your life. This person came into my life and looked like someone who needed to get out of my life. He was very loud, but talented. He was very opinionated and combative. So realistically, I don't know why I kept him around, but I always wanted his opinion. I always wanted to talk to him. And so I tried the superficial BS on him and talked to him 
trying to puff my chest up and bang on it and tell him how awesome I was and how much money I was going to make and had made and yada, yada, yada. And I got this thing and I can do this thing. And this is awesome. And he's like, yeah, cool. Don't care. Just like that. Just did not matter to him even a little bit. He cared about for the first time in my life, who I was, not what I had, not what I could do for him. And I realized at that moment that he was showing me who I should be. And he was challenging me to change me so that hopefully I could do the same for him. Now, unfortunately, I recognized this a bit too late because I have a very destructive behavior in my life, or I can say now that I had a very destructive behavior in my life, and that was alcohol. And one night I got far too drunk, and he, with his combative nature and his opinionated nature, got in my face, started talking to me, and I said everything that I should and shouldn't in every way that I should and shouldn't, got physical, pulled things down, acted like a giant little kid through a tantrum, and wrecked our relationship in that moment. Our relationship was never the same. Now, don't get me wrong. When I say he was combative and he was in my face, you need to understand that this guy is from Alabama and he knows how to pick a fight. He knows how to say certain words. He knows how to get under your skin. And he did just that. The problem was, is he was fighting one battle and I was fighting 10. And what I mean by that is I unleashed all of the emotional baggage and garbage and trash that was in the divorce that I was getting ready to go through. I was unleashing every scared emotion that I had. I was unleashing every worry, every fear, everything came uncorked and unglued that night. Now, while he was just challenging me, telling me that I should not be getting drunk at the studio, which I should absolutely not be doing that. But he doesn't necessarily live by the phrase, you can say anything you want, it's just how you say it. Because he was emotionally charged, to say the least, and he did not say that in the way that I needed, because I was a very fragile person posing as a very strong person. And those are the most scary people that you are going to come into contact with and have a fight with. So the reaction I gave him that night, he did not necessarily understand. He did also not necessarily deserve what I gave him. But I was a broken man. And I didn't have anything left. I didn't know how to respond. All I knew was how to react. I can also tell you that to this day, Six years later, he is one of my closest friends. And it is the people in your life who see you at your very worst, that still stand by you, that are going to make you your very best. So be very vigilant and aware of the people who are going to stand by you through those seasons of your life where you don't necessarily look the best, where you're not firing on all cylinders. When you are at your worst and you have people who are still in your corner, those are the people that you need to keep around. Anytime you're doing rock star things, you're always going to have a lot of people at your door. But it's when the pain comes. It's when the waves of life happen that destroy what you've built. It's when you tell God your plans and he laughs and he shows you a new direction. The people that are still in your corner in those moments are the most important thing in your entire life. And in this chapter of my life, in kind of tandem with John, I had one other person who chose the opposite approach. He would love, hug, encourage, give words of wisdom and motivation, 
and his name was Austin Yule. He was such a pivotal character in my movie. In episode eight, I talk about how your life is like a movie and who are the characters of your movie. He, in particular, is a very, very important character because he came in and he helped me hang foam on the wall, never asked for a dime. He came in and would help me rewire a studio. He just wanted to be around the music. He had this fascination with life that was intoxicating. And he really was one of those people where he would walk into a room and the the room would, the, the whole energy would change. And it was infectious. And so that energy made me feel better. So we started really hanging out a lot more because he helped me just get over me, if that makes sense, or helped me forget about things because he always had something positive to say, always had a better way to look at things. And I realized that John and Austin were very similar characters in my movie, if you will. They they both represented people in my life who cared about who I was and not what I could do or what I could do for them. And it was a very refreshing experience. So myself and John decide to do Austin's music because Austin was really fascinated by the music industry and he was a singer himself. And John is one of the most prolific songwriters and singers that I've ever had the pleasure of working with. So we come together and we say, hey, why don't we just work on a project together and we're all just going to help one another out. And so John writes some songs for Austin. I write some songs for Austin. We record it, mix it, master it. We have a great time doing it. We all become very good friends. Now, through this whole process, everyone is kind of going through my random outbursts of anger, of fear, of frustration, of sad, of being alone, of being just every emotion that you can imagine, sometimes all at the same time. And everyone is having to deal with my outbursts. And these two people kept standing by my side and helping me through all of these crazy times. And I will always hold them near and dear to my heart for doing that for me. And I appreciate them more than I could ever put into words. And so I hope me being vulnerable and sharing to the world how important they were to that development in my life and standing strong for me and being a foundation for me helped me build who I am today. And it takes those foundationary people. I just wish at the time that I was going through all of that stuff that I realized how important those two people were. But today I'm telling the world that those were two of my cornerstones that really changed the entire trajectory of my existence. So thank you very much if you're listening to this. So with those two people by my side, I get through my divorce and I file the paperwork and I do the countless trips to the courtroom and we endure the countless battles that ensue after a married couple, two people who are very hurt and scared and alone are just fighting for any shred of dignity and they're always trying to get one over on the other person. So after a very painful back and forth battle, we finally get everything settled. The paperwork's signed, everything's approved, and I am finally divorced. And it hits me like a ton of bricks. I now have an ex-wife, something I never thought that I would have. And it was a very liberating experience, of course, but it was also, it was so weird. Honestly, I, I kind of walked around in a daze for a while because when you're going through a battle for so long, part of you, I think, gets used to the fight. 
And when the fight stopped and everything was done and I had an ex-wife and I was just supposed to move on, it I'm going to tell you, I, I went through a whole new gamut of emotions that I had never felt before in those moments. But once again, I'm back at square one. And so I have a conversation with Austin and he says, I'm graduating, awesome. And I'm going, um, okay, what, what's this mean? He's getting ready to move back to Phoenix. And so I'm losing one of my best friends. So I just got done fighting with my ex-wife and I'm a newly divorced person. And one of the major people who got me through that time and chapter of my life is getting ready to leave as well. And so the inevitable happens and Austin moves back to Phoenix. I wish him the best and we stay in very close contact and we're still in very close contact to this day. And probably about two weeks after he leaves, I get a box on my doorstep and it says, from Austin Yule to Greg Kimball, thank you very much. And I open up this box and I read a card that says, you have no idea how much you have impacted my life. You are my brother. I love you. And you have no idea how much I appreciate you. And at that moment, I wondered to myself, wow, the same thing he was doing for me, I was doing for him. And it just goes to show you, you never know the battles that people are fighting inside and you never know who you are to someone. So try to be more aware of who you are and who you can be. But inside this box was a Sony C800G. Now I know not a lot of you are going to know what that means, but that is a $10,000 microphone. When we were recording, I kept talking about it saying, man, if I just had one of those, I'd love to have one of those. Oh my God, I'll never have one of those. There's no way I'm ever going to be able to afford that. And when he went back to Phoenix, his parents asked him, what do you want for your graduation present? And he said, I only want one thing. I want you to buy Greg this microphone. Now that is one of the most selfless acts I have ever been on the receiving end of. And I am so thankful for who he is to me every single day. It's incredible who people can be to you and for you. And that microphone, it was far more, it was, it was symbolism. It was almost like he was telling me, I believe in you. I know that you can afford one of these. I know that you are going to achieve it. I know. And he just immediately in that moment, I had to, in my brain, rise to the occasion. I not only wanted to be worthy of his trust in me, in his friendship, I wanted to be worthy of a studio that had a microphone like this. So I immediately took myself more serious. Now, yes, I'm still full of shenanigans and antics, and I'm still learning how to be a leader, but it was the first real shift in my life where I said, okay, it's time to do real business. It's time to, you know what, put on some big boy pants. So I really start trying to be a businessman. I, for the first time, am starting to seek knowledge. For the first time, I'm reading business books. I'm trying to learn my craft. And I didn't realize my craft wasn't necessarily producing at that time. My craft was learning how to run a business. It is not easy. It's not an easy task. 
And this is when I made the connection that, yes, work ethic is something. It is very important. But just that labor work ethic of putting the time in is not necessarily the smartest thing you can do. You really do need to know where to put your work. And how you know where to put your work is to know, which means you have to put in the grinding every single day of obtaining knowledge. And now the engineer that I had to this point was Ryan, and he had turned into a very good friend of mine, and he was uh, an incredible employee. Uh, But this is where we kind of started taking diverging paths because, well, his work ethic was unmatched. He was day in and day out, but he had that employee mindset. And so, well, I am trying to be there day in and day out, but I'm also When I'm not there, I'm trying to read and I'm trying to start grabbing as much knowledge as possible. I'm ordering audiobooks off of Amazon and listening to the CDs in my car. And I'm kind of starting that process, but I don't have very much money. So I'm on like the same two audiobooks that I've had. And I really do start noticing a difference in my mindset. I notice a difference in the output that I'm doing, the the different things that I'm being able to attain and achieve And so I'm realizing how important it is. So I'm starting to try to make an emphasis at the company. Hey, knowledge, 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 knowledge. Well, I get completely derailed because I get a knock at the door. Well, not an actual knock. It was an email from Atlantic saying, hey, you know what? We're thinking about uh, bringing you back on as either a songwriter or an artist. We're not really sure. Um, Why don't you fly out? And so I fly out and the meetings start and I kind of catch that music bug again. I get that, that I want to sing again. I want to go do this again. I want to do that again. And so I just completely stop leading my company and I just go back into, I, I get in the gym, I start working out. I start really, really putting the time in on my body, on my craft, on singing, on doing all of these different things. And so I'm traveling to Phoenix more and I'm traveling to LA more. And one of the times while I'm in uh, Phoenix, I get a call from Austin and he says, hey man, I've got this person that I need you to meet, man. I really need you to meet her. Uh, she's working on music here in uh, here in Phoenix, but her producer is falling in love with her and they're not really getting anything done. I would love for her to meet a real producer. I would love for her to meet you and so that you can impact her life the same way you impacted mine. And I said, sure, I would love to meet her. I mean, the studio, I mean, it's not like we're making a ton of money. I would love to get a project in. And so one of the times while I'm down in Phoenix, I, uh, I go down there and I meet this girl and I know immediately that I am in trouble. Now we met at Austin's house and uh, it was at one of his um, I think his mom was having a party or something, and we went there, and I hadn't actually met her. I just saw her, and I'm like, uh-oh, this, like, there's just, dude, there's something special about this girl, like, holy crap. And I was really trying to be that cool guy, that that guy who is, is all good, man. I, I mean, it's whatever, it's a girl, but I immediately take Austin and I'm like, bro, you did not tell me this girl is like a goddess. Like she is the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in my life. What is going on here? And he goes, he goes, dude, you can't think about it that way because she's dating my friend. And uh, I mean, it's, you know what I mean? It's kind of like bro code, right? And I was like, he's not my friend. (laughs) And he goes, oh man, come on. You can't do that to me. I said, all right, well, I'm going to do what I can, but no promises because this girl, like, holy crap, if she is half 
as cool as she is beautiful, I'm in trouble. Now, I was in big trouble because she is the coolest person on the planet. I am not kidding you. This is, yes, you know what? I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. This is my future wife I'm talking about. She is the coolest human on the planet. She's also the most beautiful person on the planet inside and out. So anyway, um, I meet her. I say, hey, what's up? And, and, and shake her hand and everything. And we kind of start talking about music. And I say, okay, cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about music. Meet me at this, this bar called uh, whatever Cadillac Ranch, I think is, is where it was. But that night we ended up going out as like the whole party to karaoke. And she sang and she sounded awesome. She was crushing it. And, uh, so we keep talking. I say, oh yeah, man, you sound great. And yada, yada, yada. And then I sing. And then she like freaks out. She like asks Austin. She's like, you didn't tell me that he can do that. Like what the hell? And so, uh, so we get to talking even more cause she knows, Hey, like this guy can actually sing. This guy could actually maybe help me out with something. But in talking with her that night, I'm like, I'm completely in trouble because I am falling for this girl. hundred percent. It's like, it's like our souls were like already like together from a past life. And like, right when I saw her, I was just like, yep, that, there you go. That's my wife. So she meets me at Cadillac Ranch. I think it was two days later or something. And, uh, she actually fall. well, she falls asleep. So I'm there on time. She falls asleep. I'm texting her. I'm saying what, what the heck is going on? So she finally shows up and, uh, <laughs> I look at her and I'm, I'm kind of peeved. I'm not going to lie. And she sits down and she tries to be all cute, which completely works and completely disarms me. And I look at her and guys, I'm going to, I'm about to give you the best pickup line ever. So I really encourage you to use this because this is what I looked my future wife in the eyes. And I said to her, I said, all right, now I need to tell you something. You have never met anyone like me and I am going to change your life. This has been the Final Percent Podcast uh, with the mini-series Homeless Millionaire. If you guys want to find out how she responded to that, please tune in tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for listening. This is a really fun experience reliving these moments with you guys. I hope some of the things that I'm going through and have gone through, I hope that they're helping you. This is the Final Percent Podcast. This is my story. I'm Greg Kimball, and I appreciate the fact that you are here listening to this. So thank you so much, and I will see you tomorrow. Let's find out what she said.